1: and I always welcome you to connect me on LinkedIn. Today, we have Rain Reed on the show together with me. She has lived in Shanghai when she was working for Gap. Uh, that was multiple years. I'm so excited to have her here. And we are going to talk about the fashion industry in China. So, welcome to the show, Rain. Hi, Michelle. Thank you very
2: much. It's great to be here with you.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm not a very fashionable person, but um, I think uh, you are, and you have been in the fashion industry for so many years. Let's first start with you Tell us a little bit more about your background and especially your experience related to China.
2: Sure, sure. So I have been in the fashion industry for 30 years. I was making my own clothes from us for as long as I can remember. So it was just meant to be that I was meant to go into this industry. I studied finance at university, so I have a business background. And then, like many people in retail, I started in the stock rooms and on the sales floors working with product and customers. And eventually, worked my way through several design studios, small manufacturers, uh, and around the world with companies like Gap, and then uh, working for some e-commerce startups around the world. I've lived all over the world. I've done lots of different jobs uh, in fashion, and I'm very passionate about the industry. The industry is constantly in motion. It's constantly changing, and every day when you wake up and you're in the fashion business, you're chasing the next big thing this industry does not stand still and so when the opportunity came when i was working for gap in 2012 the opportunity came to move to shanghai and help with some strategic business projects the answer was an enthusiastic yes (laughs) I, i couldn't imagine anything more exciting My background and interest in China up to that point, having been in the industry at that point for a very long time, was really around manufacturing. So when I started in this industry, um, ironically... Made in China was very common and manufacturing in China was very common and I worked for a lot of small, small to mid-sized businesses where we did textile production in China, but the scale of the actual apparel manufacturing was so large that we did most of our production on shore, meaning in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, in what we called Chinatown in San Francisco. And so our textiles were produced in China, and then we produced what we would call cut and sew, meaning we actually cut the garments and sewed them on the machines and finished them uh, in San Francisco. And then I moved to Gap, where obviously global production happened around the world. But the, the concept of made in China was really the first big part of my career. Manufacturing that happened in China was world class.
1: Yeah. And think about uh, the involvement of this made-in-China phenomenon. As you mentioned, uh started from textile being made in china then the whole garment the final product is made in china that's many of the clothes still today right you can buy you see the tag is made in china it's
2: true yeah yeah well china itself i mean the history of chinese fashion i think is very interesting and and truthfully michelle goes back to silk road when there was an exchange between east and west not only what we would call design ideas or cultural exchanges, but physical exchanges of textiles. So there's been a long history of exchange between the East and the West. And uh, obviously that's taken us to modern day China and the manufacturing that's currently being done. And then the rise of Chinese consumer, which has completely changed the way I think the fashion industry sees itself. I think it changes the way uh, fashion sees its future, and it's made the last decade very exciting in the industry.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, talking about the Chinese consumer, I am one of those. Uh, I, even though I've been living in the U.S. for. 20 plus years now. I think because uh, my taste uh, might be different than typical American taste <laughs> and uh, my taste is also very different than the younger Chinese uh, who grew up uh, in these days in China. But I'm just thinking about uh, the different generation how much the culture is impacted your taste in terms of fashion and many other things and also how much the way you grew up or the environment, uh, you know, all those things uh, surrounded surround uh, it impact your taste, uh, your preference <laughs> uh, for fashion. Yeah, I think uh, maybe because you have lived in the world of, in many different places, and you mentioned that you grew up in San Francisco, I think uh, you probably have seen a lot of differences uh, in terms of how, from fashion industry standpoint, how culture is impacting the preference of fashion.
2: That's absolutely true, and I think when I started in this industry, the culture of the fashion industry was very sort of Western-centric in this part of the world, and that's completely changed. What I would say that's so interesting about fashion is fashion is a, as a global language unto itself. And regardless of your culture or where you live, you know, style is that dialogue that connects the language of fashion, and so you and I may have very different preferences or cultural backgrounds, uh, but we can have a connection over what we're wearing or the colors we're seeing or how we're feeling that day in the environment or why we chose what we chose to wear or a great shopping experience we just had. So fashion is that dialogue that connects everyone. I think what made it very interesting with China opening and many Western brands going into uh, mainland China uh, was that brands learned very quickly that the starting point, the cultural starting point for that Chinese consumer was different than anywhere else in the world. And that's what made it interesting. That's what made the brands that continue to succeed in China successful because they engaged in that dialogue of style in a respectful manner with the Chinese consumers. They weren't there to educate and teach about fashion as much as they were there to listen and learn and respect where that the customer was coming from and more importantly, where they wanted to go and go on that style journey with them.
1: Yeah, so I'm curious about uh, just uh, let's take a uh, Gap as one example, because the stores in the U.S., uh, the Gap stores, uh, the kind of clothes they're selling here, are they similar to what uh, the stores is selling the kind of clothes in China in Gap
2: store? Yeah, so many of the brands, whether it's Gap or H and M or Zara. Uniqlo have what they call global ranges. So they design for the world, which is a big job and that's really complicated. But for the majority of fashion retailers, the bulk of the assortment, the majority of the assortment can be found in their stores across the world. But what Mm -hmm. makes it different with the introduction of a a country, a powerhouse like China, is that there are some unique elements to Chinese culture. Let's just take an example of Chinese New Year. When we opened uh, stores In China, we knew about Chinese New Year, but we weren't really sure how to position it somewhere. We knew it was somewhere between Christmas and Valentine's, but what did it mean (laughs) from a consumer standpoint? What was Chinese New Year? and And over the course of time, and when I was there, I helped develop the first Chinese New Year range, where we said, you know, the rest of what's in the world is perfect to have in the stores, but we need a little something extra. Wow! Really so you designed in-
1: things really specific for the this is festival Chinese New Year.
2: Absolutely right. That's absolutely right, Michelle. And it you know it took a lot of education back to the central teams to say this is Chinese New Year. This is why it matters. This is why it's important to engage. In this dialogue, this respectful dialogue with this consumer, Um, we had a great time designing something that was unique for China, and we designed specific marketing materials that went in the windows to celebrate the spring festival, and it became a really important part of doing business in China. And you see now, not only in China, but around the world as Chinese travelers go outside of China during Chinese New Year, the celebration of Chinese New Year is now global. It's no longer just on the main streets or in the homes of China. It's now a global celebration and I think that is one of the successes of the world. And fashion is just one way That, that sort of cultural expression, that cultural sharing has become a reality in the landscape of retail. I think it's, it's fantastic, but it took a while for retailers to get there, Michelle. It wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't like the light bulb went on one day and everybody said, great. You know, I yeah. think initially people were like, well, let's just put in some red jumpers that are left over from Christmas and maybe, you know, bring in a few early for Valentine's. But that's not what this is about. So, uh-huh. Yeah, even though it's red, right? Because when you say Chinese
1: <laughs> year, in terms of clothes or the outfit of people wear, that's the first thing come to my mind. Okay, red. That's the Chinese New Year color. But uh, if you think about this Christmas stuff, I immediately think, well, that won't work on me. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
2: Exactly. And so it's that kind of lesson that I think the fashion industry and Western brands learned, probably sometimes the hard way. But really, they're finally getting there. And when you walk the streets of China, and you tell me what you think when you walk the streets of China. During Spring Festival or during Golden Week or the Mid-Autumn Festival, it feels like a a true celebration, a true global celebration with, with Western and Chinese brands celebrating the cultural celebration.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Chinese people really celebrate those big, important uh, holidays. It's like here in the western side, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, right? Those are very important uh, holiday time. And people have this uh, Christmas type of uh, clothing on. When you see that, you know, okay, that's for Christmas. Even the yeah. gift <laughs> wrappers, you can see that the paper is also with that theme. In China, it's definitely the same way in that holidays. You see people wear things that reflect that holidays, that celebration. And you mentioned about the global celebration on those holidays. Just tell you the truth, that we celebrated the Chinese New Year here in February, early February in the Seattle area. And there were many parties, many celebration performance (laughs) happening around here in those Chinese communities. And I worked in Microsoft for many years before and still doing some work for Microsoft. So Microsoft every year has a big celebration performance type of events. For Chinese New Year. So every year I took my family, attend those uh, events, and this year the same. I went there, celebrated together with other people, and that night I put on my outfit, which is uh, uh-huh. for that <laughs> for that specific uh, holiday, uh, I have something. <laughs> Really, I bought for those days, right? Even though I wear the same thing
2: every year for just for that one day. (laughs) (laughs) That's red, by the way. Of course it is. But but you have a, a style preference on that day. And, you know, you want to feel a certain way when you put on that outfit. So I think that's just, it's a great example, actually, Michelle, your own example. It's a great example. Well, I think it's time to take a very quick break
1: and we'll be back right away.
0: Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China. With many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution, we can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zo To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: We are back. Before the break, we talked a little bit about um, our own experiences in China, and Rain, you mentioned uh, working in Gap, and uh, you guys uh, took one step ahead to think about uh, the cultural impact, or more from the cultural standpoint, and think about the Chinese consumer market. I would like to now go to a different angle to look at uh, just in general, from your experience in the industry. What kind of influence of the Chinese consumers on that fashion industry that you have observed? And especially in the, you know, recent 10 years-ish.
2: So it's a great question, Michelle. And I think it's a complex answer, but I'll, I'll start with, I think the Chinese consumer is engaging in the fashion industry on their own terms. And I think that's really important. Because what's happening is they are educating their style, their influences, not only from the Western brands, but some of, of the, the Chinese brands are really starting to come on strong. There are a lot of key opinion leaders are have massive followings on WeChat where they're talking about style and brands and the celebrity culture. I think the Chinese consumer is very digitally engaged. And I think that has pushed e-commerce in a completely new direction. When I arrived in China in 2012, it was so surprising to me how forward thinking everyone was on their mobile phones life was held on the mobile phone and I had moved from London which is also a very sophisticated environment but Shanghai seemed to be light years ahead when it came to digital engagement and so life on that mobile phone life with Tmall and Taobao and WeChat and Weibo that was the environment even back in 2012 and so um, that digital engagement, the advent of 1111 Singles Day, is now a worldwide phenomenon, is it not? The the digital idea that we want that instant view of what's available, we and we want it delivered immediately. We want high standards when it comes to to that customer experience. I think has influenced technology and e-commerce uh, mm. in the right direction.
1: Yeah, talking about this uh, digital uh, side, mm, I think. Uh, One of the things that uh, is very unique in China that translated into fashion industry, in my own opinion, is um, the digital, what we call it, the show of a digital ID. You have an avatar, yeah, that's the word, yeah, avatar. So the the connection here is many years ago, I I really cannot remember when, but in the, probably from the early 2000s even to now, in China, a lot of young people getting online and then in those social apps social applications where like instant messaging and those kind of blogs people put use their avatar versus a real person picture and those mm. avatar they can have different decorations i give you one example like tencent has this qq QQ Messenger mm. and QQ Zooms, QQ products. Yep. Yeah. And uh, people can pick a avatar, then they can buy all these accessories for the avatar yeah. and change the clothing, the hairstyle, you know, all these different things, yeah. right? To make the avatar look very different and change depending on their mood. In my mind, a very early digital connection of those your representative or your personal identification online with this virtual digital clothing, digital fashion, decorating that person to reflect of a person, of you in a virtual world. And then with those e-commerce and um, with many different kinds of clothes available and at a lower cost, uh, I think many people start to go ahead and uh, try and take on a lot of more material stuff. Uh, just uh, that's that's my kind of thinking when you think about, when you talk about digital uh, versus the uh, fashion connection, It took Mm -hmm. me back to think about that connection back online in the early 2000s.
2: Absolutely. And I think the example of the avatar is a very, very good one, Shell. And it's very relevant to what we see when we observe the changes in the consumer behavior for China. Because in the 60s and 70s, maybe when fashion or style was more standardized, maybe more practical in its nature, um there wasn't as much self-expression. And then we start to see the rise in the early 2000s of that really critical self-expression with the opening of new ideas that's enabled by the e-commerce, the digital economy. And so that's a great start of people saying, well, I think I feel like this today or I want this color or, you know, it's, it's that self-expression that fashion enables, that those early avatars were an important part of that self-expression. And now it's just rolled into how you're maybe dressing head to toe and how you're taking your <laughs> selfie and, and how you, you know, position maybe your own store on Taobao, which is another really interesting part of the way China has influenced the industry. So within China itself, there's been a really interesting rise of manufacturers. There was already a strong manufacturing base who have turned to their own brands to address a need in the Chinese fashion market or apparel market based on what they're already manufacturing. And they can market it directly to their consumers through Taobao. And so you know, China's becoming a fashion powerhouse but it's also becoming so full of entrepreneurs who are developing their own businesses, building their own brands. And there's an interesting concept that I've been reading about called Taobao Villages, actually, where you know ten percent of those households have an online annual volume of one point five million, and they set they're building businesses just through Taobao, and that Taobao reach goes into tier two and tier three cities where there's more money, more affluence, more focus on consumption than there's ever been before. So it's a very interesting dynamic.
1: mm mm-hmm. Definitely. Taobao is more like uh, Amazon here in the U.S. Just want to help our audience who are not familiar with uh, China oh, uh, to understand what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a commerce platform. And um, many individuals open a store there and they can sell uh, small things, right? Or consumer products. But there are also a lot of uh, businesses open stores there uh, do their selling marketing directly. There are multiple platforms in china these days but taobao is one of the very early very large successful one and uh, belongs to
2: alibaba the other can i just make one other quick point i think the other way that china has changed the fashion industry is definitely in the luxury sector so when you think about luxury fashion the high end mostly european brands gucci fendi louis vuitton those brands in particular are seeing a huge resurgence in their own brands with the chinese millennials interest in luxury product and luxury spending and i think well luxury is limited to a certain portion a small portion to be fair of the chinese consumer it is one way in which The fashion industry has changed, and again, brands like Gucci continue to see very strong quarter-on-quarter sales really coming from strength in the China market.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that brings to another uh, observation I have. And I would like to hear your opinion from your Western <laughs> eyes. I think the Chinese are going after those Western brand, right? For example, let's look at uh, handbags, because you just mentioned Gucci. I think uh, about
2: uh, handbags. expansion in China has been tremendous. Coach is the same.
1: Yeah, exactly I think the phenomena I have seen is many people they look at those brands and the brand stands for the social status So we see young people especially girls they would save money and uh, or borrow money to buy something that uh, they think the brand would uh, represent their you know ideal, social status, and show off. That's something feels like it's different than the people that surrounded me in the U.S. That's my observation. What do you think?
2: I think it's a good point. I do think there may be more of that luxury consumption in China. But if you think of the handbag as maybe the latest avatar, right?, this is my social status. This is who I want to be. Look at me in a certain way. I do think it's happening on a higher scale in China, but that in reality is, it happens across the world when it comes to luxury labels and the appeal of them, which is true in most markets, maybe less so in the US to some extent, Michelle, but definitely through Asia, that it's a very strong market, that branded luxury business where people want to buy into that idea of luxury at wherever they can afford it, whether it's a keychain or a belt or a handbag. It's an important part of of social status, I would say. I think mm-hmm. the U.S. is in a slightly different place when it comes to some of those bigger brands. But again, the Chinese consumer votes with their wallet. And so those brands that have favor in the Chinese market definitely see a very strong upswing and they're very profitable, not only within China, but when the Chinese travel. Mm-hmm. Another, you know, an example of that is, is Uniqlo, who's been in China for almost, I think, just under 20 years. I think entered in 2002 and their growth has been exponential because they understand the needs of the market. While they're not luxury, they've been very adaptive to the needs of the market and have expanded beyond tier one and into tier two and tier three cities.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking about the brands, I think uh, it feels like uh, Chinese consumers really like the Western brands they and they are willing to pay big price for those brands. That's just my observation. I want to hear from you. What's the attitude from Chinese consumers uh, towards uh, brands?
2: So this is just my observation, and I'm not an expert, certainly, but from my observation, having lived in China for four years and then Singapore for another two, I think those brands across the world are coveted brands. And I think people are willing to pay a lot of money for owning something from those brands. I think what's happening in China from what I'm reading is that the Western brands that have engaged with a respectful view of the culture, who have adapted their own brand to be relevant in China, which is a big, it's a big job to do that. If you've got a brand that's been doing business for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, it's a big ask to adapt in a different way to a different market, but the brands that have successfully done that are seeing loyalty from the Chinese consumer, are seeing growth in the Chinese market. The brands that haven't didn't make it. So it's a competitive environment. In 2012, the number of malls that we're opening every week move around the world or experience different cultures like that, fashion can help you be more adaptive. You know, you can put on a different outfit or style yourself in a different way. So you can be more relatable to the people around you, but it's hard to know when you go and you observe it. And, and that's one of the, the most amazing gifts about living in a city like Shanghai, traveling in a country like China is that there's so much on offer. You can see so much, you experience so much. Um, that it's hard to put it in into words but every day felt like a runway in China because there are so many people doing so many interesting things with their personal style and their fashion and you know, new brands were popping up all the time so it's a great place I think for fashion to grow mm-hmm.
1: yep okay I think it's time to take another quick break and we'll be back right away
0: China is now the second largest economy in the world. There are hundreds of opportunities for worldwide business professionals to start looking in China. From business leaders to manufacturers to artists and students, you need to discover these opportunities to grow your business and your career. Listen every week for In China with Michelle Zhou. Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For business sake, you need to tune in. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay,
1: now we're back. So, Rain, uh, you and I have... Talk about uh, the observations that we have uh, of the Chinese consumer on the fashion industry and uh, the differences that we have observed between Chinese fashion industry versus uh, some other countries. So what kind of trends you think that is happening in this industry in China?
2: So I think it's a couple of key things, Michelle. I think like we've talked about earlier, it's about the rise of Chinese fashion perspective. So not only the rise of Chinese designers, but Chinese brands sort of in China, for China, and the increasing relevance and voice that will start to become a greater reality in the China market as consumption grows, as millennials start to earn more money and turn their leisure time into spending activities. That leads me to the next big trend, which is experience over ownership. So I do think that experiential fashion, experiential shopping is an important trend for millennials across the globe. But like in all things, China maybe just a bigger factor uh, in the Chinese millennial mind. They want to travel. They want incredible experiences in stores. So I think that's something that people should keep on their radar. The other thing that's another big trend associated with experience and not necessarily owning is the sharing economy. So, you know, that maybe rent the runway or renting fashion, that kind of idea. They're forecasting the sharing economy in China by 2025 to be close to 20% of GDP. So the idea of communal sharing and not owning Necessarily, but investing in experiences and when you have those experiences, you know, maybe just renting the, the, the clothing for that experience is definitely an on-trend idea in China for the Chinese millennials. Hmm. I think the other big topic, Michelle, which we haven't discussed, which is a huge topic in the fashion industry across the world, is sustainability, and what sustainability in terms of the environment, manufacturing practices, labor standards, what that means to the fashion industry as a whole. And specifically what it means to manufacturing bases around the world, whether it's in China or India or Bangladesh or Vietnam. You know, that's a, it's a global conversation in the fashion industry today. And so I think within China a lot of companies are looking at their supply chain in a different way. They're looking at ways to think about the waste that's produced, reducing that waste, finding more circular ways of manufacturing and and again I think that's a global conversation where Chinese companies and American companies can come together and really create some innovative solutions, because I think sustainability in fashion has to be addressed. And through the use of technology and creativity in context of a very practical manufacturing base that we have in China, I think there's some work to be done. And I think that's the, that's the future of the world of fashion. And I think that's how China will become a big part in the future of a more sustainable fashion supply chain. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's a big part of thinking about the volume yeah. that it's generating right from China and the demand from Chinese consumers. It's not something that when... A country was poor, just thinking about surviving, but it's something today when China becomes a big economic entity, and the Chinese consumers have a lot of disposable income and looking at quality of life. so that's a topic that is starting to be on top of people's mind. Mm-hmm.
2: definitely, and I think what's important is that you know as the Chinese consumer grows in confidence, I think they will realize they're a very powerful voice and they can be part of the solution for ensuring a more sustainable fashion industry for ensuring a healthier planet. And I think that's a really important part of the conversation that needs to be had around the world. That certainly was such a powerful consumer that's in china I, I think they could really help create the future
1: mm-hmm. and is that a topic that uh, you are uh, focusing your own effort on these days after you know as you mentioned your career working in big corporate like a gap and then startups uh, so is this a topic that uh, you are passionate about and uh, start to develop your own capability on
2: Absolutely. So sustainability is not a new topic in the world, but it's definitely come to the forefront of agendas for companies of all sizes. And I've spent the last uh, year really studying sustainability from an academic standpoint, from a practical standpoint, and really meeting with the best of the best to figure out what we can do, not only to have the right amount of activism, but to take that activism into action to really make a difference. And there are some. Great work being done by the Caring Group and CNA around cleaning up supply chains, but a lot has to be done. And so um, I'm working with a number of different groups on different efforts to really drive sustainability principles practically through the industry. The other thing I'm doing, which I'm very passionate about, is working with education know, uni- fashion students and university programs to incorporate some sustainable modules or, or discussions on zero waste design or cir- the circular economy, uh, sustainable fashion, just so that the new generation of fashion professionals can enter the world and the industry as it exists. They understand as it exists, and they also have some ideas about how they can make it different and better. So I'm incredibly passionate about the future of the fashion industry. The fashion industry is one of the most creative and influential across the world. And so I'm definitely leading the charge with many incredible leaders to ensure the sustainability of the industry. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's very important work and leading the trend for longer term success. I think, uh, Rain, I would like to pick your brain and give our audience some advice or tips on if somebody is looking at the fashion industry in China, uh, what are some things they should consider based on the trends that you shared with us?
2: One of the most impactful ways goes back to sustainability, Michelle. I think if if someone can start a dialogue... In a concrete way, with many of the manufacturers in China around reducing waste or developing circular production methods, I think that would be impactful and important, and there's a significant need for it in the world, in China certainly, and around any manufacturing city or region. I think the other really important thing, if you're interested in Technology and you're interested in fashion. That's the future. So the way technology reaches new customers, I think the way um, technology could help support sustainable efforts. I think that China, in general, is very open to new technologies. is able to adapt and play those technologies forward very well. And I think that could be a really interesting place for for anyone in the fashion industry to watch. In addition to pay attention to what's happening on the runway, support any new designers, whether they're Chinese or not. The next generation of designers, most will come from China, but I think it's definitely worth watching and supporting their efforts as well. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, You also mentioned the experimental experience over owning. Yeah, how would that uh, help us to think about uh, the current way of doing business in the fashion industry?
2: Well, that's interesting because there's a lot of discussion right now about online to offline and how do retail stores, what role do they play in the fashion space? And the conversation that maybe in the old days we would set up stores for purely commercial purposes. Maybe some stores now not only are there for selling, but and there for brand building, but maybe other stores become cultural hubs. Maybe it's maybe other places become places of learning. So it's about extending that experiential fashion business beyond just selling to the consumer. It's about engaging with them. And you're starting to see some of it in terms of customization, right? So if you come into the shop, we can customize certain things for you so that you really own this. That's, that's an element of experiential fashion, right? Maybe another way is their there pop-up, their classes around, let's say you want to learn pattern making, or let's say you want to learn to, how to style yourself or how to take fashion photographs. There's, there's lots of ideas percolating out there. I think the other really interesting thing about experiential, again, for me, links back to sustainability, and people have all of these clothes in their closet and don't know what to do with them. And I think to to think about how we could repurpose or recycle or have clothing swapped is a different way for fashion retailers to think about engaging with consumers beyond selling them another pair of jeans. Mm,
1: yeah, totally makes sense. Historically, if we have some old clothes there. Then we find a way to donate and <laughs> get it out. And in China, the garage sale—I don't think that's uh, popular. You probably won't be able to buy from a garage sale or yard sale kind of places. It's more like uh, either we, you know, find a place to donate it, or we find some people that would give to them.
2: That was an interesting trend, actually, Michelle. Back to even back to our Chinese New Year discussion, which is. You know, when when like a vintage trend would be happening in fashion, so maybe there would be, you know, some rips or things would look like they have been washed a few times, but they were brand new. That was never very popular in China. So if you're going to buy something new in China, typically that Chinese consumer wanted something that looked new, not something that looked old, even if it was new, or they don't want anything secondhand. So I think it's it's an interesting dynamic, Uh, what you do with those clothes, that are sitting in closets that aren't worn that are going to end at the landfill. And again, maybe less of a Chinese conversation right now, maybe more of a Western conversation right now but again i think we need to look at the industrial waste the manufacturing solutions that need to happen again at an industry level in china versus maybe just the consumer level in china mhm yep all right thanks so much uh, rain i think this is a great conversation
1: i learned so much about the fashion industry in china and uh, you know how that connects to the western world uh, or compared to the western world i think the sustainability Piece you mentioned is very important and I would love to discuss about this in a more in-depth way in the future. If somebody is interested in to learning more about you as well as the expertise you have, uh, what is a good way for them to reach out to you?
2: LinkedIn is probably the best way to do that or they can follow me on Instagram at rainontrend. Okay, it's R A Y N E.
1: And last name, R-E-E-D, Rain Reed.
2: Correct. That's my LinkedIn handle. And then on Instagram, it's R-A-Y-N-E, on, O-N, trend, T-R-E-N-D. Rain on trend. Great.
1: (laughs) I also want to thank our audience for being here with us today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. And I would like to talk to you again next week.
0: Thank you for tuning into In China with Michelle Zhao. Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week.